Hey friends, I want to tell you something. Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. And so am I. Where my Target mama's at? Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community, to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs, like myself. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target, from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself in joy and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash BlackBeyondMeasure to learn more. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I'm your host, Sheree Sims, on the Black Love Podcasting Network. I'm also your award-winning host. Thank y'all for listening and supporting. I'm glad I told y'all the last couple episodes that I don't know if I'm out here alone. So it is nice to know that I am not here alone and that together we are changing the world one or maybe six babies at a time. So thank you for that. Thank you to the Black Pot Awards. Uh, We had an amazing, amazing time getting together. And y'all, if you did not watch the Black Pot Awards, go back and watch it. It's streaming on YouTube. And there are a wealth of Black podcasters that they are letting you know about that are doing amazing things in this world and have these really fantastic podcasts. So I had the chance to learn about some new podcasts that I've been listening to, and I want you to have the same opportunity. As always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's something that we do at the dinner table together, although sometimes lately it feels like we're doing it at random times, like in the car ride or in the bathtub but that's neither here nor there. We do it to connect with each other, get a window into one another's day, see what's good, see what challenges there are, and just connect and, you know, be there for each other, be friends and family and all that good stuff. So the peak of my day today is my father-in-law. As most of you know, he suffered a stroke a little while ago, but today he is doing really well. And he has been talking all morning. We had a cup of coffee together, which was lovely. He's been spelling for me, (laughs) which is major. Like that's a major feat. I asked him if he wanted to get up and he said, uh, yes, you pee up. And that is a major thing. I don't know how much y'all know about strokes, but basically just think about like if your one and a half, two year old started reading things on the screen and telling you, yes, I want to watch Gunsmoke full episodes because they read that on the screen. And then telling you, yes, mommy, I want to get up, UP up. Like imagine how excited and proud you'd be. It's the same feeling. So that is the peak of my day. Um, and thankfully, I don't have any pits. It, it's been a good day. It's been a good morning. I would have said that the pit of my day was that we woke up late to get to school. But the gods of traffic were on my side. So we actually ended up getting to school about 10 minutes earlier than we usually do while leaving about 15 minutes later than we usually do. (laughs) So the math was mathing for me today. I'm here for it. So nothing but peaks this morning. However, if we were to talk about the other day, (laughs) I would have all kinds of pits to share for you. Let me tell you all about one of my children. I won't name them. Although if you know me or have been listening, you'll probably figure out which child it was. Uh, But we had somewhere to be at four o'clock. And this child is very serious. I think that she is my grandmother reincarnated. Like she 
does not want to be late to anything. And she's that person who's like, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're 15 minutes late, you might as well just stay home. Like legit, that is her all day, all night. So we had somewhere to be at 4 p.m. And I made a huge mistake and I thought we had to be there at 4.30 p.m. We all know moms make mistakes also. So when I came to get her to say it's time to go, she was like, okay, what time is it? I said, it's four o'clock. Y'all, oh, I wish I was an actress. I wish I could do the shenanigans that happened in that moment. They happened so fast. I was not prepared for it. I wish that I had some type of defense set up because I felt like I was immediately attacked before I even finished saying 4 p.m. But I said, it's four. And this child fell out. She broke down. She started screaming. She was like, no, and literally melted. Like with that actual sound, her whole body melted with each wave of the down into the ground and said, I'm supposed to be there at four. And she lost it. And I'm like, it's okay. This thing is like, it's two and a half hours. If we leave now, you know, I went into immediate like logical mode. Like, it's okay. We made a mistake. That's that's fine. We could just, if we leave right now, we'll still get there in about 15 minutes and you'll still have two hours and 15 minutes of this thing and we're going to be okay. And she was like, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. And one thing I notice, which I share with parents, but even though I know it and even though I've seen it and even though I share it with parents, as a parent, I'm quick to forget it sometimes. So, and that's like, this skimming over, skipping over the validation and connection, right? We always talk about like, if a child is upset, validate their feelings. Oh, wow, I see you're upset right now. And that when you get that validation, you're connecting with them in that moment, you're connecting with how they're feeling, and usually you get better cooperation, right? I didn't do that. I skipped right over that. I went right up to logic and reasoning. I don't know if y'all listened to the episode where we kind of talked about the staircases of the brain, but I went right to level four, right? Right to staircase four where I was like, we'll be there on time. It's okay. And now what happens in that moment, which is why I emphasize the importance of validating your child, it's almost like a person shouting for help and you ignoring them. So when you ignore their shout for help, they feel the need to scream louder and act crazier. Like imagine someone drowning in a pool. If they're drowning silently, everybody is going to keep on going about playing Marco Polo, getting their tan on. No one's going to pay attention. If they can get to the point where they can kind of like splash their hands and try to get help, somebody might see them, but most likely still going to be playing Marco Polo because people splash in a pool, still going to be getting their tan on. But if this person can get a little bit of their head above water, they are going to scream Because when you scream, that's when you can get attention. And that's when someone can say, oh, snap, they're drowning. Blow the whistle, jump in and save them, right? The same thing is with our children when they are having these meltdowns or these fallouts. It's like something within them, they are feeling like something is really wrong. And when we're constantly saying like, no, you're okay. No, it's okay. There's a disconnect between what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, And what we're telling them, right? And they're like, no, you don't understand. And so a lot of times they go to having to be more what we would call dramatic, right? We'd be like, girl, you're being so dramatic right now. But they feel like they have to be more dramatic because you are not getting the fact that they are in trouble. They are in danger. They need help. And the help they need is not you're fine and everything's going to be fine. They actually need help 
now calming down their bodies, whatever else it is. So anyways, I didn't do any of that. I skipped right to, we can get there. It's going to be fine. Just stop crying. And of course, she cried harder. And the harder she cried, the more her nervous system was firing off and the more those stress hormones were being produced and like the worse and worse and worse it got. And now she's like, you know, her skin's starting to get itchy. Now I really gave away which child this is. (laughs) I might as well just say her name. This is Eden, y'all, my eczema baby. So now like her eczema's on fire. Uh, She's scratching herself, starting to scratch herself bloody. Now my stress hormones are kicking in because not only are we late, not only is she screaming, not only are there five other children around, two of which are four, and also probably like asking me for a popsicle in this moment. I don't know, something totally, you know, just like this is not the time. But now my child's like also scratching herself bloody. And so I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't want you to bleed. This is bad. We got to do something like you just got to calm down. And I'm like, Eden, calm down, calm down. I need you to take a breath. Right. We all see that on Instagram, like teach our children to breathe, teach them to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. That's fantastic, except for when they can't do it and when they're just so loud with their meltdown that they can't even hear you telling them breathe. So I'm over here like, breathe, Eden, can you breathe with me? Can I give you a hug? We just, I need you to calm down. You got to calm down. And she looks at me and she's like, I I can't calm down. And when she does that, I'm like, oh, like she can't. I believe her. She really, she can't do it. She doesn't want to feel like this. She doesn't want to be crying. She doesn't want to be late. She doesn't want to be bleeding. She doesn't want any of this. And neither do I. So actually, me and her, as bad as this feels right now, like we are on the same team. We do have the same goal. We both want to be calm. We both want to feel good. We both want to be on time. Neither one of us wants her physically hurt. But she can't do it. She doesn't have the skill in this moment at seven years old to calm down on her own. Now, one thing I want to say, and I've said it before, is each child is different. Every child develops differently. So for some seven-year-olds, they might hit this moment and they can figure out how to calm down. I don't want you to hear this and think like, okay, my child is seven. She she shouldn't yet be able to calm down. No, there are a lot of seven-year-olds who even in this moment, they can use the tools. They can maybe get the hug and the breath and they can calm down. And then there are other seven-year-olds who they cannot yet do it right? Development, like we can't judge how fast our children are going to grow physically. We don't know when they're going to reach four feet tall. If they're going to go past that, we can't control that. We also can't control how quickly that they develop cognitively, emotionally, but we can continue to understand that development is unique to each child and that they need support in these moments and they need love. Like if my eight-year-old is not yet four feet tall, I'm not going to stop loving her just because she didn't get tall enough fast enough. I'm not going to get mad at her and be like, girl, you, you better go put on those heels. I told you, you better be four feet tall by now, right? We wouldn't do that. So we have to approach them emotionally, cognitively the same way. And I also want to share that, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but when these things happen, the thing that makes it extremely difficult is stress. And a lot of us as adults, we talk about stress. Oh, girl, I'm so stressed out. I'm stressed with bills. I'm stressed with work. I'm stressed with my husband, my wife, whatever it is, right? We feel like we understand stress. And I would argue that there are many adults who don't fully understand stress. (laughs) 
But our children do not yet understand stress as something that's happening to them. And most of us don't even honor stress as something that is actually physically and chemically happening within the body, right? It changes the chemical makeup of our brain. It changes the hormones that are being produced in our brain. It changes the way that the nervous system is connecting within the body. Like stress actually impairs logical reasoning. Now for a child who's already not very logical in essence, right? They're still learning logic. They're still learning reasoning. They're still learning language. All of these things are impaired when the stress hormones start to be produced in the brain. So when stress starts to hit the body, these things are difficult physically, cognitively, emotionally. Aside from the ability to actually like try to access these things, they're already distorted and messed up. There's a, a deficit in language for children who are already just developing their language. Like they already don't have all of the words to be able to connect it to this is how I feel. Let me tell you how I'm feeling, right? But on top of their already lack of language based on age, there's also a language deficit when we become stressed. And I want you to even think about your own self. Like I know with me, there are moments where I might be really stressed out. It might be a situation um, I can't give an example. I don't know. It might be a situation where there's like a moment of freezing where I just kind of have to freeze in the moment. And I'm like, I can't respond to that right now. Right. And someone might be waiting for me to say something. And in my mind, and sometimes I'll tell them out loud, but in my mind, like I have to gather myself. I literally cannot find the words in that second. And I cannot process what's happening. Like my brain has to catch up. I'm like, all right, what did they just say? And then I'm battling my own thoughts of like, that doesn't even match what's happening here in the situation. So even as an adult, there are these times where I'm stressed and I feel all this. I can feel a loss of words. I can feel the speed of processing the situation has slowed down, if not froze. And I have to really take a moment and sit with myself and like very, very, very intentionally. And it's hard work, probably the hardest work. Like I have to intentionally process what's happening. Think about what's happening. Try to differentiate between like my emotional thoughts versus logical thoughts. And then I have to pick and choose which thoughts I want to hold on to, which feelings I want to hold on to, and which ones I want to use. And as a 38-year-old, that's a challenge for me and takes time. Like, thank God that there are adults in my life who respect that I need maybe two minutes, five minutes. I'm not talking about a lot of time, but it takes time. Like maybe there's a 30 second pause in this conversation, right? And it happens. I see it with other people if they're stressed out. Sometimes they have to pause for 40 seconds. Now let's take it back to the child. They don't even have this awareness of themselves of like that this is stress that's happening in their body. So of course they're not going to have the language to go along with it. Of course they're not going to have the ability to reason logically and say, you know what, mom, you're right. I do have two and a half hours. But what do we do then? Like there are, it's still a stressful situation. And Lord knows, like I shared, like now I also have to process my own stress levels while trying to deal with her stress levels. I also want to say that one of the reasons I'm talking about this today is because I know I'm not alone. I think it was two days after I experienced this with my own daughter, I get a text message from a former parent of mine saying, I don't know what to do. 
you know, my my daughter is, she seems to be real emotional lately. And every time I tell her she needs to relax, she looks me in the face and tells me I can't calm down. And I was like, oh, snap, like the same exact words. So I'm wondering how many out of you out there have had those moments where your child is like, I can't, I can't calm down and I can't do it. So what do we do? There are a couple of things that we can do. I love a good acronym and I want to give you one today. The acronym is CALM with three L's, C-A-L-L-L-M, right? And the first one is connection. We already talked about it, is this this ability to, to connect. And connection happens in different ways. Yes, connect to the feeling, validate the feeling. Connect to what they're experiencing so that you are on the same side and the same team, right? When they're having these meltdowns, when they're having these big emotions, it is not you versus them. So how can you connect to them so that they don't feel alone in what they're feeling and experiencing and they feel like, okay, you are here with me. Me and you are the same team. This thing that is stressing me out, you're going to help me fight this. You're going to help me get rid of this stress in a way that it's more manageable for me. Connect with them. That's C. Acceptance. Accept what it is. In this case, we were late. It was my fault. This does suck and it's a bad feeling. I get that. Along with acceptance is the idea of validation, right? But we cannot change the fact that we're late. That's not going to happen. I can't change the fact that she's mad. She is mad and she deserves to be mad. She wanted to be there at four. That makes sense. And I love that about her, that she wants to be places on time. So we got to accept that. Then I got to inject love. That's the L. I have to inject love and compassion. If this was me, if I had an event, I just told y'all that I won an award. If I wanted to be to my awards show on time because I want to see who's all going to be there. I want to cheer for all the winners. I want to hear the performances and someone in my family is making me late, I'm going to be mad and I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to feel like they don't care what I care about or that it doesn't feel important to them. And for me as an adult, if I'm in the situation, I'm receiving an award, I want to be there on time. To me, love looks like working with me to get there on time. Or if you made me late, at least apologizing and being like, man, I, mom, I know this was important to you. I didn't mean to make you late. I apologize. Or babe, I didn't mean to make you late. I apologize, whatever it is, right? But love, how would I want to be treated in a similar situation? It's the idea of compassion or empathy. But also with that thought, like start with how would I want to be treated? How would I want to be loved? But then ask the question, how would my child want to be treated? How would my child want to be loved? I have six children and some of my children, they want the hug, right? That's they're physically affectionate. That's their love language. Some of my children, they're not physically affectionate and have never been. I have one child who she never went to sleep with me holding her. She would only fall asleep if I put her down. When she was young, we used to all yell, like when she would come give anybody a hug, we'd be like, she's giving out hugs, come quick. Like she's never been a hugger. That's just not in her nature. So for her, if she's upset, I'm not gonna just start physically giving her love and affection. That doesn't actually make her feel better. For her, maybe a riddle makes her feel better. Maybe a popsicle makes her feel better. I don't know, but finding out what your child's love language is and inject love in the way that they love, but approaching it with compassion, right? So we have C, connection, A, acceptance. The first L is love. The second L is listen. And this goes back to how do we love our children the way they want to be loved. Listen to them. From your heart, tap in and listen. 
I'm not saying just listen to what they're saying. Actually, actively listen. It's funny because I did an episode and y'all, I have an amazing producer and we have an amazing team. And after each episode, I, I'll, I'll ask, like, what can I do better? How was that? And one of the things that they taught me was to actively listen. Like when I'm interviewing someone, actively listen. And when they said that, they said, that means not just listening to the words, but like, look at their body language. Are they done speaking? Are they ready to move on? Are they bored with the conversation? Are they uncomfortable with the question? That's active listening. And that's something that we have to do with our children also. Because there are times we could say, what's wrong? They'll say nothing, right? Okay, I listened. You said nothing was wrong. But if I'm actively listening and looking at their body, I can see that their body is slumped. Their head is down. They might be frustrated. I can see that something is wrong. And if I'm actively listening, I can try to figure out what is going on and also leaving space for the listening because sometimes we're not going to get it right in that moment. They might not be ready to talk. They might not be ready to show us what's wrong. But what's interesting is there was one day where Matilda was acting up in the in the afternoon, right? And I know she was acting up. She's tired. She had a long day at school. She hadn't yet had her snacks, so she's hangry. Uh, so I got her her snack. We got some rest. We did, we read a book together and she was fine. It was not until later that night when I was laying her down for bed. I was rubbing her back. She was literally like halfway to dreamland. Her eyes were like mostly closed and she was drifting off. And she said, Mommy, I wanted you to pick me up from school today. And this was a day where grandma picked her up from school and I didn't pick her up. And she was sad. That's what she was angry about in the middle of the day right? She was still like tripping off the fact that she wanted me to pick her up. And she didn't say it right then. But she was feeling disconnected from me. She wanted me to pick her up. She wanted that car ride home. She wanted that instant like, I haven't seen you for eight hours. I've been at school. I want to see my mommy. And she didn't get that. So that kind of set her off. But this is again, that thing about like our children don't yet really understand what's going on with their body all the time. So they might be feeling stressed. She might have in this case, Matilda might have been feeling stressed that I didn't pick her up from school. When she got picked up, she might have been stressed in that moment. And then she might have forgotten about it, but she carried that stress with her. And it wasn't until later on in the night that she was able to tell me, I wanted you to pick me up. And that wasn't feeling good to me today. But giving that space, having those moments of connection, sometimes when you're not even saying anything, like in that moment, all I was doing was rubbing her back. I wasn't asking her questions. I wasn't trying to figure anything out, but it was a safe, calm, peaceful space where all of a sudden her body remembered, right? I'm literally rubbing her body. So I'm stimulating her nervous system, calming her down for bed. But her body reminded her brain that, oh yeah, I was upset about this earlier. (laughs) And now I feel comfortable and peaceful enough to be able to tell you it. So that second L is listen. Listen actively. The third L is list. Go through your list of are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they hot? Do they have a need for play? Walk through that list, right? Because that's easy to address and has huge impacts. Fatigue and hunger are like of the top things that cause stress in the body. When you do not have enough sleep, when you do not have enough, and I don't want to say enough to eat, when you don't have enough nutrition, Because you can eat things all day long. If they don't have any nutritional value, your body is still going to be hungry. It needs nutrition. So are they eating well enough? And I don't always feed my children well, right? There are days where it's just easier to pop in chicken nuggets in the oven or 
put throw a hot dog on the stove real quick because that's what time can afford us. And I rather them eat something than be battling with them about what they're going to eat. But I could still maybe I have a juice plus gummy that they could eat, right? To get some kind of vitamins. Maybe I have a Pediashore. I still buy Pediashore shakes because I need them sometimes to get some kind of protein, right? Or maybe they're willing to eat a banana. So go through that list. Uh, Hunger and fatigue cause a lot of stress in the adult body, in the baby body, in adolescent body, child body, all the bodies, right? But those are things that are easy enough to address that we can do it right here, right now. And then the M in calm is magic. Sharice, what do you mean by magic? I'm not a magician. I mean, this child is your child for a reason. And you are specifically and magically and uniquely and divinely made for your child. And there is a magical connection between you and nobody else, you and your child. And there is something intuitive that was given to you and only you specific for your child. So what is that magic that you share between you and your child? I can't answer that for you, but this is that time where we have to practice consciousness, intuitiveness, being in touch with ourselves and our children in a way where we know this was the gift that I was given that was uniquely created, divinely made for me and my child. No one else knows how to do this. No one else can do this. Or if everyone else does it, nobody does it like me. And this is the magic between me and my child that we're going to implement. And then also just look for the magic in the moment. Like there was magic in the moment when Matilda said, I wanted you to pick me up. I realized how important that is to her. Now, I can't pick her up every day. I pick her up three days out of the week. I can't do it every day. There are other days that I work later than when she gets out. But at least I know how important it is to her. So that when I do pick her up, y'all, I make sure when I pick my children up, I leave my phone in my car. I run up to their gate. I jump and I scream and I give them a big hug because they're so excited to see me and I'm I'm going to match their excitement. I'm going to be just as excited because that is the most wonderful feeling to pick up your child and see how much they are excited to see you. Like they've been away for a few hours, but they're still so happy to see you. And nobody else in my life gives me that reaction, right? Like I could walk into work. Nobody's jumping and screaming saying, Sharice is here. (laughs) Like they are the only place where I get that. And I don't know who's doing that for them. But if nobody else, it's going to be me. I'm going to jump and scream when I see them. And again, those are those magical moments. Aside from the acronym, which I love, And I hope that you love it. I hope that it's very helpful. But also the idea of empowering ourselves as parents, like what can we do in the future? So in this case with Eden, being on time, I'm looking for patterns, right? And and it's something that I would tell all parents to constantly kind of be doing, not in a way that stresses you out, but just be conscious, be aware, start to notice different patterns. And we've talked about it in different episodes. But with Eden, there are not just Eden, all my children, there are certain patterns, right? I know that at a there's a certain time in the day that everybody's starting to get tired. That's a pattern. It happens every day. I know that it's coming. And I know that every day, if they have not had a snack by a certain time, When we get to the time where they start to get tired, they are going to have a meltdown, a tantrum, an argument with a sibling or somebody. They're going to fall out because they have not had their snack and now it's that time and they have no energy or capacity to like keep themselves together. But it's a pattern that I recognize and it's different for different children. 
There are certain children where they're developmentally around the same age, physically around the same age. They're sleeping around the same times. So they have the same pattern, right? They get out of school at the same time. They usually get hungry around the same time. They usually get tired around the same time. And then I know to do things like, here's another pattern I've realized that some of my children around the time that they get sleepy, which is too early for bed, but it's too late for anybody to be taking a nap because if you take a nap, you're going to be up all night and that's not going to work for me at all. So I notice a pattern of like, if someone is sitting down watching TV at a certain time, they're going to fall asleep on the couch. So I turn the TV off and I put them in the bath and maybe we have a bath at like 4.30 in the afternoon. That feels early, but it wakes them up and preps them for bed. And that's become our new routine because I'm recognizing the pattern. Then this is what works for us to have the most peaceful afternoon and evenings is having a snack before they get hungry. Right. Like, y'all, even when it comes to potty training or the bathroom, like we need to go to the bathroom before you actually use it. Right. Nobody's like peeing on themselves and then being like, I use the bathroom. Same concept (laughs) with food, with sleeping. With bathing, it's like you have to do it before we hit that point of like they need it now or they needed it a moment ago. So recognize the patterns. Um, I also recognize the pattern with Eden since I used her as the example is like she loves to be on time to places. She needs to be on time to places. She wants to be on time to places. But the girl, she doesn't know what time it is ever. So there's always this pattern of like what time is it? Here's what time it is. And then like surprise, she's feeling surprised that it's that time because she had no idea. And there's usually an emotional reaction. It's not always a huge emotional reaction, but she's usually like the pattern is that she's constantly surprised by the time. And for me, someone who's been practicing time for 30 to 35 years, like I'm always like, how did you not know 30 minutes passed? But of course, how would she know? Like, (laughs) she's just living life. She's used to me managing time. But time is something that's becoming more important for her. So with her, I recognize like we got to put a clock somewhere in our house so that she can see the time. We don't have clocks. I don't know how many of y'all have clocks. Like everybody uses their phone now. But I need to go back to having an actual round clock or digital clock somewhere placed in a common area where she can see the time so she can also help keep accountable for the movement of time and where she's at in the movement of time so she's not feeling stressed. So she doesn't feel like, oh, I just lost half an hour or I lost 15 minutes or now I got to hurry because she actually cares about it. Like our issue with her is not we only have 15 minutes. Hurry up. If she sees that there's 15 minutes, she's going to start moving because she values that time and being on time as well. So obviously those two things are things that like I can do within my house. And again, when we talk about those that magic between you and your child, every child is different. All the patterns are different. We might find similarities. I think most of us are probably going to find the pattern that our children are hungry after school. They're tired a few hours after school, if not an hour after school. Like those are going to be patterns that most of us can probably share and find. But some of the patterns like needing to be on time or being stressed out by finding out what time it is, like I think that's pretty unique to Eden. I don't know how many children are like stressed out once they realize what time it is. But maybe that's your child too. But my point is that every child is different. So I want to encourage you to find the patterns that you see with your children and then find ways that you can empower yourself or prep for your, for yourself and your child to find more peace, to find more ease. And also know that stress is natural. So I'm not saying empower yourself, find the tools, get a clock, 
do the earlier bath, have the snack. I'm not saying that as a means to like, let's just avoid all the drama altogether because also our children have to learn how to deal with stress. So it's not always a bad thing that they're getting stressed out. It doesn't feel good, but it's not bad. So we do want to allow like it's the goal is not to eliminate it altogether. The goal is finding ways to manage it, finding ways to prep for it. For instance, like with Eden, if time is such a thing, this is going to be something that probably for the rest of her life she's going to deal with. But in her dealing with it, she's going to learn tools for time management how to keep track of time, how to set alarms, how long things take, how long when she should start to get ready. That's my way of not trying to avoid stress, but trying to realize like, hey, let's recognize that time creates stress for you. So let's learn how to manage time. And then we don't have to get to the point where stress becomes so unbearable that we can't manage it. But we do have tools like breathing or a hug or a song or a dance or skipping, whatever it is, to manage stress when it comes, when stress comes in a manageable form. So your homework this week is to try to identify the patterns with your children. Where is stress hitting them the hardest? Because most likely there is a pattern of these are the things that happen that stress my child out the most. And also look at what are the patterns with you? When does stress hit you the most? In the story with Eden, I was pretty calm up until she started scratching herself. And there's a whole backstory to that. Some of it might seem obvious, but she's also in a skin therapy right now where once she opens her skin, we have to regress and start over the therapy. So this is a whole like, it's not just she's scratching herself and it's bloody like I'm instantly flooded with the stress hormone and the fear hormone because I'm I'm no longer in the moment. Now I'm like at the doctor's office and at therapy and at bills and all these things of why it's so important that she doesn't scratch herself bloody. I recognize that. So how can I prep myself for that? So your homework this week is to start to recognize the patterns with your child, start to recognize the patterns within self, Remember the affirmation, I mean, the acronym CALM, but work actively every day at the connection and the magic. That's all I got for you, friends. I hope that y'all will join me next week. Don't forget to rate and review and share with a friend. And for those of you who don't know, I did start a Parenting for the Culture Club. It's a Google Classroom. It's totally free. But as you listen to these, you might have questions, you might have challenges. So this is a space where the day after you listen to the episode, we can get together live on Zoom, talk about the episode, answer any questions, share any resources, wins or victories. And so I hope you'll join me. Check out the link in my bio on Instagram at Sheree Sims, and you can join that Google Classroom for free. You can connect with other people in the community of parenting, and you can connect with me um, for Parenting for the Culture. Thanks, y'all. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production. 